All right, so welcome back to another episode of Ed Up Career Schools, The Scoop with your host, Kathy Belletti. I love the I love having the opportunity to actually meet with everyone that's actually involved in the enrollment process from the student all the way to school owners. And it gives me the opportunity to bring career schools to the forefront so that people will understand what they do for our students every day. So today is going to be a lot of fun because I have one of my longtime friends with me. Long time. A long time. And I call her guru, jack of all trades. This is one person when she says she's going to do something. Look for it to happen anytime right after. Okay, so let me pull out my scroll. All right, so first off, she is the founder of Savannah Wine Institute. Woo-woo. She's also the managing director at Metropolitan Wine Group, LLC. And she's the national director in the International Student Office at New York Film Academy. First off, uh, Dana, how do you even make all of this happen? But welcome, Dana. How are you? Hi, Kathy. How are you? Good. What's going on in your world over there, Dana? Oh, so much is going on. Everything but the kitchen sink is going on over here. <laughs> I can't, I can't. So, you know, Data, we've been friends for a very, very long time. And years and years and years ago, I don't want to age us, but um, um, when we first met, we were both yeah. advisors. <laughs> yeah. But I know that's not where your journey actually started. So how did you even get into admissions and why did you leave me behind? Okay. Well, I actually started in the legal realm. I worked um, in the client services department at a law firm in New York, and we worked with career schools, boarding schools, and some community colleges um, with their students who didn't pay their tuition, had to go the legal route to get the tuition recovered. So basically, the goal was either to recoup the money that they owed or have them pay their tuition so they can register for the next semester and continue their education. So in that process, I met a lot of owners of different career schools, boarding schools, and directors of community colleges. And um, one in particular um, really liked how I spoke with the students and let them know, like, this isn't the end. Like, you know, you hit a bump. You know, we're going to figure this out. We put you on a payment plan or maybe you can get another loan to cover the cost. And it was more about encouraging the students to continue because, yes, you have to pay for school, but we don't want you to feel like if you can't, this is the end. Right. So whether it happens next semester or three semesters in the future, the goal was to get them to come back to school. Right. So he was really, really um just impressed in how I dealt with the students and not making them feel like bad about themselves, like this is a bump in the road and let's continue. So it was under his suggestion that I go into either financial aid or college admissions because he felt like I had a knack for it. At the time, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. So that's why I started and worked at the law firm for six, seven years. But um, I really took in what he said and I was like you know I really do like this and that was like my entree into admissions so my first admissions job is where you met me yeah um 
And why I left, this segues to why I left. So coming in, I had that counseling kind of mind frame. You know, I, you know, someone acknowledges that they need some sort of training. They found out what they wanted. And now I'm going to help them get to that goal and get them started in school. But I found that, um, one, that kind of approach was not encouraged, let's say, at the institution where we were um, employed. So my counseling people and telling them, okay, looks like you don't have daycare until summer. So let's start you in the next start date instead of two weeks from now. And that was discouraged. Or people literally telling me I have to quit my job to start school. Like to me, that's not okay, you know? And like things like that and just, just that push to do it right now because we had to meet a goal like that wasn't comfortable for me so i was there i think a year and a half and then i just jumped into the international um admissions and education realm which is why you know i started in that field and i've been in that field ever since so that's been about uh, i don't even know like 15 years now yeah. <laughs> okay but you know what was crazy is that still happens today yeah when you it does enrollment process unfortunately there's so many schools where it's all about the enrollments but then there's not a lot of support and coaching around how you can still increase enrollments but ensure that you have quality students who are actually yeah. placed in the they're right start program. yeah they're gonna start they're gonna finish Hello, that's what it's all about, right? But it, it's so sad to see that there's so many schools that still operate the same way. Get the number. That's all I care about. And guess what? If you tell an old school advisor to get the number, guess what they're going to do? Oh, they're going to bring in the number. I yeah. can't guarantee you they're going to start or finish, you know, and, and it's so in, unfortunate. But you know what? Let's talk about the application process and, you know, managing expectations when it comes to the applicant and stakeholders, because I think in a lot of cases, that's probably the problem, too. The application process and what are the expectations? That's probably the reason why a lot of students don't even follow through in the first place. So mm -hmm. first off, what do you think that process should actually look like? And where do you think are some of the holes? Well, I feel like admissions advisors, counselors, representatives, whatever they're called, they're kind of the gatekeeper to the school. So they connect the student with the different departments that they need to liaise with mm -hmm. before they can start. And depending on the program and the school and the location, it could be financial aid, right? They li liaise with, in my case, international students liaise with the international student office to apply for visas, could be housing, could be a myriad of things. And I think that a lot of schools, the application process, like applying for the school is easy. That's an application you put in your personal details. And then the stuff after that point, that's the hard stuff. That's the FAFSA. That's the submitting documents for the visa. That's making sure you have some place to stay. That's trying to get transfer credits if it's available. And I feel like admissions, if they don't let the applicant know that, you know, you'll be talking to different departments and some processes may be longer than others. Some processes you won't get a complete turnaround in a day, it's not automated. Some processes are actually reviewed by people who have a thousand people in front of you 
you know, and that leads to frustration for the student, for the applicant, for the sponsors, for the parents, for the people who were, you know, the guidance counselors, for everyone involved. So I think that is the key, like, hey, you know, I'm your guide, just so you know, the financial aid process is going to take up to 10 days to get a response because once you put stuff in the FAFSA, X, Y, and Z has to happen, they get a number and they'll contact you. This office may need more details from you. Let's see what they need now. They may need something in the future. I think people wanna just like say like, here, I'm coming and then that's it. Mm -hmm. And if you make it appear like that's the process and it's not, that's where the issue comes. Yeah. You know, and I feel like admissions counselors, advisors, representatives, I think sometimes they're afraid to give that hard, you know, you know, this is actually how this the, the sausage is made. I think um, they're afraid that that's going to turn someone away when it's the opposite. If you're truthful with people, if you let them know it is what it is from the beginning and let them know what the timeline should be for all the different processes, that's comfortable. But like keeping people in the dark is not. So I think that's where the holes are. That's what needs to be communicated to the students, to the stakeholders. Like, and when, when we speak of stakeholders, I think like every admission training, it talks about a stakeholder, but then like it goes in one ear and out the other. But we all know mm -hmm. that when someone, especially going to a career school, there are many people involved in this decision-making process, right? It's not just like someone woke up and they're like, I'm going to be a medical assistant, and then they sign up for school. It's someone who has tried several things before, someone who hasn't tried anything at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just woke up one day. So someone who has been, you know, down on themselves and they're just trying to find their way and they're like, poof let me do this. Mm -hmm. And then all the people involved in that journey, it could be a husband, it could be children, it could be a boss, it could be a parent, mm -hmm. so many, could be a landlord, could be so many. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's getting all the right people in the mix, not telling them everything, obviously, but like keeping them informed or giving the student the language to explain to these stakeholders, exactly what's going on, exactly what the expectations are, the timeline, all those things. I think all of that stuff is important. And, you know, it seems like a lot to deal with if you have 50 students in the pipeline, but if you get that natural flow and that's just how you approach everything, it's gonna come second nature. Exactly. You know? Exactly. That's why I talk about the stitch process all the time, because it's very important. Number one, it starts with a bias remorse call. Just because this person was excited when they spoke to you yesterday, that does not mean that hubby was on board when you had your glass yeah. of wine last night. You know where when it comes to dependent students, right? They're talking, hey, mom, I got accepted into school. And then when they say the tuition, the mom is like, hold on, <laughs> pump your brakes. I didn't send you down there to enroll. I sent you down there to get information. Get information. And who's paying for this parent plus loan? You didn't even finish your last two colleges, right? Mm -hmm. But then also setting the expectation from the very beginning. So many times I hear students complaining, oh my gosh, too many people are calling me. Why is this person calling me again? You have to let them know from the very beginning, okay, hold on for a second. I'm going to be calling you 
at mm-hmm. least once or twice a week because I need to make sure that you're ready and prepared to start school. Financial aid is going to be calling you also because there's documents that they need. Academics is going to be calling you because orientation is involved. Once they understand that all of this is for their mm-hmm. benefit, guess what? When they get five calls in a day from different departments, they're going to go, cat prepped me. And I yeah. know all for me. You know, because some students don't, they don't even get this from other schools. So being transparent up front is is crucial. That was a loaded response. And so many- I know I'm a loaded response kind of person. I, <laughs> I, know, I know, but you know what? This is a topic that we can go on forever because here's the deal. When you talk about quality enrollments, right? I know a lot of times it's easy to blame admissions like, oh, was this a quality student? You know, were they committed when you enrolled them? But sometimes it doesn't have to do with that. If the student does not understand any part of the enrollment process, guess what's going to happen? All of those false beliefs, reasons to not move forward is going to come pouring back in. Mm -hmm. They're going to say this is too hard and they're just going to back out. And that has nothing to do with their commitment or if they're Because everybody's committed. Everybody's committed. <laughs> you know, they're lost in the sauce. Let me ask you this. What um, what made you decide to actually open up a wine company and a wine school? So, <laughs> um, here's the thing. I woke up and I was like, am I going to do this until I retire? I have like 35 years left <laughs> to work. And I knew that I wanted to stay in education, but I didn't know what that looked like, you know, going forward, right? So I took like an inventory of what I like, what I do, what I um, am good at. And I'm really good at wine. (laughs) Drinking it, tasting it, buying it. (laughs) So... So I, um, funny enough, like I had been going to a lot of like wine fairs and like different food and wine pairing classes. And I asked some of the sommeliers who were the instructors in those classes, like, how did you get in the field? And they're like, oh, I started 20 years ago. And, you know, I just worked my way up. And I was like, I don't have that time. (laughs) She needs to get get in something in the next 16 to 18 months. So they actually suggested that I do these certification classes, which were out of um, London, which I did. And that's when I opened up Metropolitan Wine Group in New York City. Um, And that was the first entree. And then from there, I worked for wine.com. I worked for liquor.com. I was a brand ambassador pre-COVID to Maker's Mark. Um, You know, I just did a lot of things. And then, um, and it's all based in wine education, like teaching the public about wine, um, spirits, food and wine pairings, all those things. I had like a residency at an Italian restaurant. Mm -hmm. Oh, you froze for a bit. Technical difficulties. She should be back soon. All right, let me just send her a quick message, people. One second. Me? All right, there you go. 
There I go. Yeah, just a little, just a little technical difficulty. You also have to be very flexible. <laughs> flexible and truthful. Yeah, the internet like it has ebbs and flows here. So this was an ebb. Now we're flowing. Um, <laughs> um, so basically, I took these certification classes. I opened up the business, and then I realized like my passion is in educating and teaching and that's when I decided on the wine school um, and particularly Savannah because my dad's side of the family's from Savannah so that's like a special place it's like my Disneyland so um, and I've done pretty much everything when it comes to opening and operating a school from all of my jobs for the past like 20 something years so coming in to the state of Georgia getting approved by the Department of Education. It's like, oh, accrediting, all this stuff. It's like, it's in my wheelhouse because I know how a school is supposed to run. So it was like, just secondhand. And yes, the bureaucracy of it all kind of took me, you know, took me back. Um, Talking about managing expectations, no one managed mine. (laughs) So it's been a process, but now I can say like, you know, we're here, you know, I have staff. And um, we're taking the South by storm. So, and like all the all the knowledge that I have over the years, and talking to people about what their end goals are. Part of the school is certification, so that people who are in the hospitality industry or want to get into the hospitality industry can have those certifications, so they can be wine experts at their job. So that's where the admissions and all that stuff comes into play, because I'm literally working as a mentor for people who, you know, they may have been a waiter for the past three years, or even working at a wine shop or a delivery person or something, and they're like. I don't know where I can take this. You can take this globally. You know, there are people who are working in Spain and France and South Africa right now based on these certifications where you learn wine, which is like the most amazing thing. So (laughs) I love that. It looks like you are definitely living out your passion, you know, and I love really took the time to step back and say, you know what, what am I good at? What am I passionate about? What do I love doing? And I think that some people are stuck in careers um, that basically pair with who they were 20 years ago. But nowadays they've become somebody totally different and now it it doesn't connect anymore. So I love Mm -hmm. that you were able to find that footing. Where do you want your school to go? Like when you envision your company like five, 10 years from now, like what are your goals for your company? Well, I definitely want everyone to know who I am. I want, okay, this is what I want. I want Oprah to get on the internet and tell people, go to the Savannah Wine Institute. (laughs) Because we have, aside from the certifications, we do have recreational classes that, those are the type of classes that I was taking five, six years ago that got me interested in this as a career. So like all of that, I want to be in Essence Magazine or at Essence Fest doing a tasting and teaching people about Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand, you, you know? Um, and ideally I would like to move towards the nonprofit route, either me myself becoming a nonprofit, starting a nonprofit part of the business or working with an established nonprofit to get wine education to people who may not have been afforded the opportunity to, you know, be exposed or pay 
or um, just be involved in wine until like we come in. So that's like the ultimate, ultimate, um, you know, philanthropic, did I say that right? Philanthropic goal, right? But um, yeah, I need Oprah to be on the internet. <laughs> Let me tell you, if I know you, I can say- oh, Oprah's gonna be on the internet. <laughs> you Oprah's gonna be on there. To each other, okay? If I know Day Day. All right, that is awesome. Well, you know what? Where do you actually see the future of career education? I think it can only go up. Um, I was talking to my best friend and she was talking to her sister about her nephew who is, you know, senior, um, just started his senior year. And they're just talking about what school looks like for him afterwards. And he's dead sent like, I know college is not for me. This is what he's saying. I want to do something so that I feel like I'm training to do something. He doesn't want to go to school to take English 101, knowing he's never going to, you know, use any of that. So it's very important for him. And he's looking at different careers to see what he would be interested in. But it's very important for him to find something where it feels like, okay, I'm learning to do something, right? And it's not just like something that I have on a resume, and then I get a job to learn, right? So I feel like, especially with the pandemic, a lot of people are going that route because it's like, I need to do something with my hands, with my body, with my spirit. So I'm hoping that career education and the people involved, whether it's admissions, all the support staff and the instructors, I hope that everybody moves to that, you know, dynamic of people want to do something. Everybody wants hands-on training. No one wants to start a job and and go through the training process not knowing anything that's going on and feeling lost, right? So there's a whole bunch of people who there's this new wave again, which happened when we started, you know, years ago, it's happening again. And we just need to capitalize on that, get the right people connected to the right admissions counselors that are going to bring them to the next level. I, I feel like, you know, the sky's the limit, but we have to wrap our heads around what needs to be done to make people successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think a lot of that also goes into being able to listen to what a prospect is telling you that they need and then finding the right fit for them. You know, Mm -hmm. you have a young mom who, you know, who is a single mom. She doesn't have three or four years to invest in school. An advisor should be able to listen to that situation and say, you know what, I hear you. I understand your circumstances. Let's get you into a quick certificate program where you're going to learn those skills and start making money right away so that you can take care of your kid. We we have to get to the point where we're pulling away from, okay, this number, we need to hit it. So I'm going to put people where I need them to go. That doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. That ends up in cancels and then retention keeps getting hit in schools. So you got to look at where is that line actually broken? So I love that. Any final thoughts for our audience, Dana? Um, I have 9 million thoughts. You know me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say, just think about who's in front of you and what they need to do to make them a better person. Career-wise, money-wise, fulfillment-wise. And if you always have that in your head, then you'll steer them in the right direction. Even if 
you know, it may not be an immediate, you know, win. It could be a win six months from now, but I'd rather have someone start in six months and graduate than someone start in two weeks and they drop after the first few days. So. So real. Short and sweet. I love that. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Well, you know what, Dana, it has definitely been a pleasure catching up today. You got to come back again. Okay? Yeah. Because we have, these are conversations that are, you know, they're embedded. There's so many different levels to these type of conversations. And I really enjoyed my time today. Look, if you are looking for some amazing tips on what that enrollment process looks like, number one, head on over to my YouTube channel and subscribe at Motivate with KAT. And for my leaders, if you're looking for an amazing admissions platform where your team has one year unlimited access to all the different tools from the effective communication, what the communication process looks like, Stitch, how to get your students to the first day of class and beyond, head on over to lessons.motivatewithkat.com to set up a free demo. Until then, thank you so much again, Dana. Hope to thank see you. you. <laughs> All righty. We'll do. Let's go have some wine. Oh, for <laughs> real. <laughs> Bye. Bye.